kind of a limbo state in is the Europa report. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, I really, I, I personally adored Europa Report the first time I, I know, saw because it. You, you drew, because I made you watch yes. it. Um, and the reason why I really loved it was because it was a blending of like, it wasn't too far into the future, but it was definitely like futuristic. Like we are going to Europa. We're nowhere near even going to Mars right now. I mean, no. I mean, if Tesla, wouldn't, if Tesla wouldn't get himself thrown in jail for calling someone a... <laughs> But I mean, I don't know. He keeps sticking his own foot in his mouth. And it's like Tesla is like the embodiment of our future because he's already so close to taking us to outer space, which I think he needs to stop setting his expectations so high and just make a moon base. Because I don't know if you saw that video on in a nutshell. Yeah, they, they were I, talking about like how exactly it would work if we were to set up and I think, a base on Mars. No, on the moon. On the moon. Yes, not I have, I have not seen that one. Yeah, so they were talking about really setting it would be cheaper um, and very economically viable for us to go to the moon first and, and then, then go, go to Mars. Exactly, because we could build the space elevator there and so we could, we could launch from the moon. Exactly, and colonize Mars and it'll start this whole chain reaction of a series of space exploration because right now funding is limited and it's too much work right now to try to especially in the state of government that we're in right now to reliably go all the way to mars yeah within our lifetime so it would be honestly we could go to Mo- the moon right now i mean we've done it before we've planted a flag on there why not go back and we'd be and able to mine asteroids we haven't actually gone back to the moon in a good while like we have gone to space and stayed in space i mean we haven't we've stayed in the outer rim yeah of... yeah no when i'm in space we stayed in earth's orbit on the iss the international space station for quite some time there are there have been like astronauts i believe the longest someone has stayed on the iss was a year yeah yeah and so like i i completely understand that whole point of like we've been in space but we haven't gone back to the moon in a very long time. And honestly, time. I think it kind of makes sense, but one of the things that they hit I mean, on yeah, in the like nutshell... we've seen everything on the moon so far, so why do we need to go back? I mean, no, like, in the in a nutshell, explains that uh, the third phrase would uh, be us making a sustainable environment mm-hmm. where we would be able to sustain a living without the help of Earth. Yeah. And that's when it would become its own stable economy but then the issue becomes okay so who owns the moon because it would have to be a collected effort from all of these all of earth exactly so it's like okay the because the biggest chain reaction becomes when the first child is born on the moon yeah who's like who would own quote-unquote own that child I mean, no, we all know their passport. I mean, we all know who owns that child. That child was born on the moon, so your plan of origin would be the moon. Because honestly, no, but you're born on the moon. Who would would claim that child from Earth? Will it be his, the parents whose country he is from? Would if you're if you're honestly at that point at that point it would make sense. I mean, yeah, that is true. I didn't think about that, but that is true. But I guess the issue becomes who begins to take over that economically thriving world literally that planet actually that is uh you've literally just described the setup to uh call of duty modern warfare if it had a story yes even though they had kit harrington they didn't manage to get a story Jon snow was there but they still managed to be a bad story however uh, speaking of bad stories and good stories 
So today's episode is about science fiction and fantasy. And so if you haven't loved it, so yeah. So yeah, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't caught on yet, today's episode is about science fiction and fantasy and why we love it, why we don't, what we expect from it, and what you could do to maybe differentiate it, bridge the gap between them, or what have you. So Lorraine, why do you... I know you particularly read more science fiction than I. I will. I read a lot more science fiction short stories, I would say, um, that are a lot more literary um, than I would say science fiction novels. And I also watch a lot more science fiction uh, television than I would say I read them, which is sad, but I'm more of a fantasy reader. I love fantasy. Um, so, you know, for you, I don't know how much fantasy or science fiction you read. I don't know if you're probably like a better writer than I yeah. am and you have a balance I, I of the two. Think, but... like, I would ever put myself above you or any other writer be like, I'm a better writer than another person. No, I, I can't. I can never do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason why I personally adore science fiction is because it's a realm of possibilities. Um, me personally, if I were to read fantasy, which sadly I don't read a lot of fantasy, I watch and play a lot of fantasy rather than read it. I don't know why. I'm a boring person. Probably. I mean, no, because like, it's visually <laughs> stunning. Yeah, like the worlds that you create. I'm not saying like you don't create them in, in science fiction, but it, it's kind of a different... It's kind of... It's, it's, kind a, it's, of, a, it's a different aesthetic to science fiction than it is to fantasy yeah because like you're forced to like literally be god you know play god um if you will and create a world from the foundation up whereas science fiction exactly it's more grounded in well the future of mankind or even with dystopian utopian the reality in which we live in today exactly. or the reality that could be yeah that's why i personally really enjoy science fiction science fiction is a realm of possibilities it could be a great possibility of Star Trek where we're traveling, you know, all these different worlds and meeting all these other cultures and races and people who will have never met another human in their entire existence if mankind didn't decide to load up our scientists and everyone, you know, important and put them on a ship and just throw them into the space. That's the only way they've... they've Christopher known, Columbus, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the only way they've known mankind versus... um. And I also really enjoy how it explores humans. Science fiction has a great way of tearing apart the, as the all the aspects of mankind and looking at, our, at us in our rawest form. We're like, are we truly a great race or are we truly a group of heinous individuals that will do harm to one another no matter what? Yeah, what was that quote from that video game? Um the uh i can't remember which one it's uh look at the bodies and ah uh, uh look at uh the i think it's look at the hundreds or thousands dead in the field and see if honor matters yeah yeah something along those lines it's and i think that's... it's from it's a prothean from mass effect 3 specifically was um, that the new mass effect yes the latest one um so that that's what it really intrigues me about science fiction because you can either have the children of man where humanity has literally driven itself to the point where there are no more children being born. So we are willing to kill each other for this one woman who can give birth to the next generation versus, you know, going to space and meeting all these people in 100% peace. 
Yeah. Oh, I found the quote. Uh, yeah, it's from Mass Effect uh, 3, um, Javix. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, stand in the ashes of a trillion dead souls and ask the ghosts if honor matters. The silence is your answer. And I think that's a very powerful statement. And it kind of ties into what you were saying, where, you know, are we... Are we... Because it, it defines what it means to be human. Are we truly good or are we truly bad? Well, not just that, but I think it, it talks more about the human condition, which is very much so contributed to literary fiction, more so uh, popular fiction, mm-hmm. um, which is sad to say, like, I haven't really found a lot in fantasy. I think Tolkien, you know, the father of fantasy, really did a good job of that with yeah. uh, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings series and his other works, but um, sad to say... Um, I can't really find a lot of other fantasy stories that... Yeah, that explored the same level. Of the human condition that is on the literary level than, you know, science fiction, which is very sad. But, you know, I think at the same time... What fantasy is really good with exploring is um, spirituality, which... Yeah, and that's... Yeah, and that's why I really love fantasy. um, Because as you were saying, that it explores more into the physical aspect, I'm sorry, the spiritual aspect of what it means to be human um, rather than the physical aspect of science fiction. You know, it's more Mm -hmm. metaphysical uh, than physical, which is something that I really love because I am a spiritual person. And, you know, fantasy is the oldest form of storytelling. So it kind of makes sense, I guess, for me to give homage to that form of writing and I think it's something that I really love because I think the human condition is just more than you know something physical something quantifiable like in you know science fiction I think fantasy really gets into you know a lot of things like emotion like you can't quantify emotions and abstract feelings like love for instance like what is love willing what are we willing to do for love love? I think that's I think Yeah, and I think that's more... Yeah, and I think Interstellar did a a decent job of that. I think my suspension of disbelief, however, kind of dwindled Uh, when it got to, like, uh, the end. And, you know, we'll get to that in a bit. But for the most part, I think, you know, that's why I really enjoy fantasy. And I think, honestly, like, I still, like I said, I enjoy science fiction short stories because they kind of delve into that. But I think it goes into, like you said, the more physical aspect of what it means to be human, you know, like, what will we do to other people physically and so on and so forth. But, you know, I think they're both really good, solid genres. And I really adore both of them. Like, I don't Yeah, I, I, I adore both of them. I just find myself watching fantasy more often than reading it. No, yeah, that's under that's understandable. Like you have certain expectations when you pick up a novel. And so, you know, what are your expectations as a matter of fact when reading a science fiction or fantasy novel? Um honestly, the only thing I truly expect from a sci-fi novel is the futuristic aesthetic. Like you I just want it to so be set materialistic. Into the, I, I am materialistic, but I can't I just, say I don't agree. <laughs> I can't say I, I don't agree. I am very materialistic, and the only thing I truly expect from a novel is to be set in the future. Even if it is a dystopian or a utopian novel or a pseudo utopian novel, um, like I, I just want it to be set in a, a little bit beyond today. Whether it be ten years, twenty years, fifty years, or a thousand years. I want it to be set in the future. Because funny enough, uh, 1984 does that. Yeah. Like, even exactly. though it was it's uh, in the past, but it's in the future. Surprisingly, yes, because it was uh, published in uh, 1950. Yeah. In the so. 1950s. Um, and even today in the 21st century, we're still able 
to feel that futuristic aesthetic, as you will, mm-hmm. um, in that novel. And also The Hunger Games. Uh, it's funny enough because The Hunger Games, when you're watching the films and They're you're kind of... Much so, like, yeah, even it the... seems like in the beginning when you're, you know, watching it and you're experiencing it and even yeah. reading the books, it yeah. feels like it's kind of like in the present kind of pseudo in this post-apocalyptic world, which it, it kind of sort of is. When you start to get deeper into the novel and like you start to see the games itself Mm -hmm. like you do start to get that futuristic aesthetic and Um, especially like especially like that futuristic aesthetic really plays well into the story because think about it like especially back to what we're talking about the hunger games the machines or the technology that they created that are futuristic are for the games yeah and for the the torture of children the whole thing revolves around like these insanely terrifying the games that are being set up just to kill children en masse for the entertainment of the masses around them. the yeah. masses to get back over something that happened who knows the hundreds maybe uh, no yeah maybe, maybe hundreds hundreds of years ago a few decades ago maybe a few decades ago no one really knows how far Panam we'll just say, is from the we'll just current say, time. We'll just say Snow was pretty bitter <laughs> about the whole situation. Yes. Um, and a futuristic aesthetic, I also personally think it ties into the idea that like there needs to be some sort of science involved. There, like, futuristic aesthetic being that there's technology, advanced technology, advanced blah, 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 blah. Uh, whether it be your clothes, whether it be, you know, um, teleporters or whatever have you or just newer medical technology i think they did that in valerian yeah the teleporters yeah pretty actually i really like the teleporters in valerian Mm -hmm. um so those are my personal reasons why i that's okay not reasons my personal reason why i mean no like i feel like that i feel like that aspect of futurism like we said like with the example of the hunger games and valerian it plays well into the plot and the culture of the story and i think you know for something so small i think it plays such a large part you know in the overall way that the story is told and i feel like the same goes for fantasy because like one of the things that i look for when i'm reading a fantasy novel is magic cliche as it is you can dog me out talk about me all you want to in the comments magic or some other elements of the supernatural like i said i read for the spiritual aspect of the human condition Mm -hmm. and so you know a part of spirituality um if you will is supernatural element and the most basic supernatural element is magic um and so i'll be honest with you if it doesn't have it to me it's not fantasy yeah i will be i know that's I could call it historical fiction or historical revisionism or whatever the heck have you, but I I, I don't They keep changing it, the names of things now. Yeah, uh, I, I don't consider it fantasy if it doesn't have any any form of magic. The, part, the main character doesn't have to use magic. Yeah. It just has to exist. Yeah, some form of magic has to exist. There has to be some form of system. Like, you don't have to be all Harry Potter and you don't have to have wands. You don't have to be a mage, but yeah. there has to be some form of magic, especially, like, if I... Especially if you set it up in a way that I can explain it scientifically. Because, like, you and I both, we're both scientists. Like, we, like, you know, like... To a fault. Yeah, to a fault. (laughs) Yeah, if you will. Like, we're both biochemists. So, it's just one of those things that, you know, if you've set it up where, like, I can explain it scientifically, then, you know, it's not supernatural enough. And you're not getting as deep into the spiritual aspect as Mm. you could. Yeah. And so, you know... Um, so... Uh... 
not having magic as one of your like absolute no no. Yeah, that's how it. Yeah, that's how it so ends what, up what in the What are the reasons why you would stop what is that? reading? What is that? Do not resuscitate. Don't, yeah, do, do not, do not resuscitate. resuscitate. <laughs> CNR, do not read. Do not resuscitate. Why else would you stop reading a novel? Honestly, uh, like I said, uh, when it falls short of my expectations of the type of stories, when I pick up a novel, like if I'm in the mood for you know a mystery. When I pick up a mystery, I expect there to be a whodunit story. Now, if there's yeah. no whodunit, I'm gonna whodunit this back onto the bookshelf <laughs> because this is not what I expected. And so, like, I, I think that's where, like, a lot of times, like, you get these novels that get these really bad reviews because, like, it falls short of the expectations of a reader. Yeah. Like, as a fantasy reader and as a fantasy writer, I have, to some extent, you know, to some extent there are these expectations that readers have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's my job as a writer to some extent that I owe it to my... Expectations. Yeah, that I owe my readers those expectations because to some extent, all genre-based novels have a formula to some extent. Like you were saying. Whether it be for good or bad, it just has them. Yeah, it it just has them. Um, And that's what we're used to. We're... Humans are habitual creatures. You know, we are based on categories and categories and every other, you know, thing that we can put in boxes. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame mm-hmm. at it. So, you know, like when you have these set of expectations, that's what you expect. And so when you fall short of those expectations, that's when you get the type of people who are just like, oh, this book sucks. And and a lot of times I don't think people realize and it might just be because I'm a writer. <laughs> and like <laughs> I, the entire time you're analyzing why you don't like a book. Yeah, exactly. But obviously readers aren't gonna do that. But nevertheless, I'm just gonna say that uh you know a lot of people don't understand that it's not that the book sucks. I mean it might. Some books do. We're not gonna. There, we're there not are gonna books who truly suck. And it's questionable how and fan I'm fiction. Not, I'm not going to. Hey, don't even go there. I'm not even going to judge those books on whether or not they truly suck. I'm judging them solely on why I think they, they suck. Yeah, but the the whole thing is a lot of people. I don't think readers understand that it's not that the book sucks. It's just that it fell short of your expectations. Yeah, and that could be just you know the fault of the writer. And it could end up being sloppy writing, which always sucks. But, you know, for the most part, I don't think it's sloppy writing. I just think it's you don't give those expectations, deliver those expectations to your readers. Um, yeah, so personally... Uh... And so, like, I think another thing is, um, especially, like, when someone... <laughs> like we were talking about before, our suspension of disbelief, you know, when people, writers, especially like when I'm like editing, especially like when we back in uni, when we were um, like critiquing a lot, we're not going to do this. <laughs> Don't give me that face. Um, <laughs> when people like over explain a story in any aspect, no, we over explain the rules of the world. Yes. Yes. Whether it be you're over-explaining your um, technology um, or whether you're over-explaining how your magic works, um, there there are some points to where when I'm picking up a science fiction story or a sci-fi story or sci-fi, science fiction, anyways, moving on, fantasy or science fiction <laughs> story, um, I sort of just give away my beliefs, if you will. Yeah. If I pick up a story... And the story has magic. I don't, I don't expect you to tell me 
the nuances of a story. But you can you can explain it to some degree, but don't don't over explain yourself. Oh my god! Like especially in a science fiction novel, because like I feel like that's when it kills my suspension of disbelief. <laughs> because regardless, because especially in futuristic, I like I don't I, I know a lot of people will disagree with this, but to some extent, you know, science is especially in a futuristic aesthetic, it can seem like magic. Yeah. Because what you're talking about is theory. You know, a lot of times in futuristic yeah, science yeah. fiction, you're you're relying on theories. None of that is set in stone. So at some point, you know, there's going to be some suspension of disbelief. But when you start to over-explain it, like like when they get into like how the portals work, you know, yeah, you're, just, just like nuances because of the see, story. Though. Yeah, because see, that's when it becomes magic in a sense, and you're just you know, digging yourself deeper into a grave that you put yourself into. And now you can't magic yourself out of it. Right, because it's science fiction. And so, like, that was my issue with Interstellar. I don't know if you had the same issue, but that was my issue with Interstellar was the part near the end where he was... He went through a black hole, and we all know once you hit the event horizon of a black hole, it tears you apart. But if you just manage to live... Somehow live through the event horizon you know you fall into a singularity that is going back and forth between time and space and dimensions and whatever but he was talking about like and it just became like this whole thing about love and i get it it was supposed to be something beautiful supposed to romanticize the idea that you'll do anything for the people that you love even if it means sacrificing all that you have but at the same time I could not believe, like, I, I just could not believe it. I mean, did you have the same reaction when you watched it? Um, and it could just oh, be no, the scientist in Okay, me. no, uh, it may be the scientist in you or it may be the lack of scientist in you, but when I was at the very end of that movie, when he was in the singularity, I found that to be like, at that, that point was where I went, huh? Yeah. What now? What? Yeah. And no, the- because... Remember in the original part, they were like, oh, yeah, the it's the people from the future telling us how this... this yeah! Like, where and did that come from? Don't yeah. explain. Just leave it. Just leave when, it. When I, was, when I was watching, because if they hadn't said that dialogue, I honestly think that would have taken the idea of him falling through the event horizon, ending up in singularity, where you can pinpoint the aspect of the past where you want to change based on the person who you truly love. By the way, why didn't he go after his wife, why his daughter? Anyways... Because um, you can't bring someone back from the dead. And he wasn't going that far back in time. But why not his son? Did because he know he... That his son was dead? No, Spoiler yeah, alert. <laughs> his, son, his son wasn't dead. Even at the very end, his son wasn't dead. Yeah, he was. Was he? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> no, here's the thing. He went for his daughter, who he assumed would become a scientist. I guess he technically... There was a lot of assumptions he, in that movie. No, there was a lot of assumptions. Actually, he knew that his daughter became a scientist because of the videos he watched before entering the event horizon. So he decided to tell his daughter the secrets of gravity. Moving on, the point is, um, so there was this minor dialogue that ended up changing my entire perspective on that scene yeah. because now it went from, oh, it's, you know, people from the future telling us things to no, it's my dad in a singularity in uh it's like the science fiction world. it's like the science fiction version of the Christmas Carol. The ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Yeah. But at least but at least in that, like 
it's not explained. So it's just like, huh, this is what it is. Let's move on with the story. But the issue with Interstellar was, it's like the this, ghost from- sort of explained it, but then fell short of the true explanation. And now you're just stuck in limbo going, excuse me, what happened now? Yeah, exactly. And there was like, literally, like I, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was very romanticized version of love, you know, albeit. But it's just, you know, that over explanation. And honestly, I would have rathered it just been a science fantasy. Yeah. I could have taken it so much better as a science fantasy. I personally think that Interstellar is 3,000 times better if you just remove the dialogue about the people from the future. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we can get into the whole last-minute explanations later. You know, that's a whole nother issue. Episode on its own. But for the most part, I think the biggest thing for me was Interstellar was the the over-explanation of the science Especially like we were saying, usually when you're doing futuristic things like this, you're talking about theory. Yeah, because so we you're... truly don't know what's in, what is past an event horizon. Maybe it, there is a singularity. And then honestly, that... time is relative. Yeah, there there is a singularity that crushes you into nothingness, or is a singularity that, you know, allows you to change the past through dust. Osmosis. <laughs> um, but like... for whatever reason. That over-explanation goes to a level where you don't truly understand what the writer was trying to do. Yeah, and it kind of takes away from the rest of the story. Yeah, exactly. Now you are in this weird limbo where you're trying to understand the over-explanation and you have forgotten everything from that point back. Yeah. You, you've forgotten why because you're trying to understand this. Because after the, yeah, because after the film is over, now you're stuck not really thinking about the rest of the movie. You're stuck yeah. on this single scene that have the now dictated yeah this that has now dictated the entire message of the film for you which is not something that you want to do when you're telling a story especially not a novel like you don't want to spend Indeed. months or years and all your readers can think about is a single scene in your novel that has them stuck like you just don't want to do go that. back and explain it I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I know the writers of Lost explained Yeah, I know Lost did it. I think that's what you I, I don't remember if Interstellar did or not. I'm not even going to go there. And so, like, another uh, series that really fell short of my expectations, and honestly, if I would have... And it kept me from reading it, was the Shannara Chronicles. Like, after watching the show, and I know it's not good to base the show on the book... But even when I tried to read it, I still could not, I could not get into it. I just couldn't. And so... Physically painful? (laughs) Yeah, it was physically painful, even more so when I was watching the show. Because it just, it didn't have any of those aspects of a novel. I'm sorry, not a novel, but of a fantasy story. Like... I feel like Shannara Chronicles also is lives in this limbo of not exactly fantasy and not exactly sci-fi. Honestly, it reminds me of a Western. Oh, God. Let's not talk about Westerns. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, that's what happened with Stephen King's Dark Tower, which is another movie yeah. that kind of fell short of my fantasy expectations. Um, also, science fiction expectations, if you will, yeah, because some it of it was... a bit of both. Yeah, it was totally and science it fantasy. failed both. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I think that was like a very niche book. Mm-hmm. Um, for... Especially Shannara Chronicles, because like, especially like, like they're gnomes. And elves. 
Yeah, and, and like their explanation. Orcs? Yeah, like so their explanation for how magic came back, which is strange because all of the creatures in that world were the creation of a nuclear fallout. Yeah. But the whole premise of the series was the fact that, you know, humans discovered magic and turned into a resource war yeah which is strange so it seemed to me that okay so why aren't these creatures a result of magic instead of a nuclear fallout yeah like i'm sorry the nuclear fallout fallout all it did was elongate your ears i mean no remember the gnomes I mean, there was a lot yeah, of disfiguration. Yeah. There was a lot of pollution in the water. But like I said, like for me personally, it was all about why is it that these creatures came about because of a nuclear fallout and not because of the explosion of magic, the discovery yeah, of magic. Yes, exactly. So like, it's like, why, like it, it totally displaced the magic in the series. The magic became, you know, just second nature to the rest of the series. It took a, it took a back burner. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I always felt like that's a really strange, interesting but strange series to like cut into pieces. Um, and honestly, uh, this whole suspension of disbelief is also the reason why I would stop reading a science fiction novel mm-hmm. because the suspension of disbelief for science fiction, in my opinion, is where. I feel the science fiction shines the most. Mm -hmm. Science fiction shines in the area of exploring uh, man's nature, Mm -hmm. exploring mankind. Mm -hmm. Um, But once your novel doesn't have that, why am I reading your novel? Yeah. Um, And I don't know if this is personal preference or not. Exactly. I mean, to me, like, when I think of science fiction, I do think of, like, exploring the human condition. Yeah, like, uh, whether, again, whether we're good or bad, or, you know, we have this Or in between. Yeah, we have this weird balance. Um, I I feel like one of the books for me that truly um, embodies that is the second book, the follow-up book of Peeps. In my opinion, Peeps, Peeps was a really cool just, like, look into, hey, yo, vampires, man. Why not? Why not? I mean, it, was during the, it was during that time when, you know, the, vampires... Everyone paranormal, was, your paranormal romance was a thing. Let's be honest. We've all yeah, read it. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've read Twilight. Don't judge. Um, uh, I've read The High School Vampire or whatever the heck have you. House of Night? I think. No, there was there was another vampire where story where like he the entire premise is he's a half vampire and he oh, goes to high school. Yeah, he that was one. so cute, and there was this one girl that he adored. Yes, that 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 was the whole premise of the series. But the premise of, um, Peeps was parasite positive vampires, and the vampires are created through parasites, and the reason why they dislike garlic is X, Y, and Z, whatever have you, hand wavy reasons. <laughs> but then the last days became instead of having this whole back and forth between the discover like why we why would you want to save mankind when they're the ones that reject you mm-hmm. to oh yeah music fam why not rock, rock music because earthworms and cats are, and are you kidding me no like they're earthworms giant earthworms oh. cats nuclear fallout again exactly like uh it, it makes literally no amount of sense and it really bothers me when people like writers use the excuse of oh this is science fiction or oh this is fantasy so we can 
We can do that. Do a sex machina. No, every world that you have still has rules that you've set at the beginning of your story that you still have to stick to. And when you diverge from those said rules, that's when, like we said, reader expectation falls short short and that suspension of disbelief is killed. And so, you know, like we were saying, like every world needs to have rules. Is every every world, no matter whether you're making a fantasy or a science fiction or something in between, whether you, you decide to go for an epic tale <laughs> or the lowest form of writing, there's a lot. Okay, excuse me, not the lowest form of writing, the shortest form of li- writing. Wow, it up. <laughs> the wow. lowest form of writing. You're a short story writer. You're at the bottom of the barrel. No. The shortest form of writing to the longest form of writing, whether you're writing the next Beowulf or you're writing the next, um, I don't know, what's a short story, Rachel? Name a short story, please and thank you. Uh, Paradise Lost. There you go. Whether you're writing the next Paradise Lost or the next Beowulf, you need to stick to the rules that you have created for your world and make sure that you don't leave those rules without explanation or reason by the way that story that book that you were talking about is uh, chronicles of vladimir todd he was thank so you cute for spending the last five minutes in total silence and letting me you know fill the void while i'm trying to nudge you in a bloody closet i mean honestly to be, to be honest another book that really fell short of my expectations that i have been trying trying so Are we back to expectations Yes. Trying so... And you can cut this out later. Trying so very hard... Like, I've been trying so very hard to read this, and it's uh, Miss Porn by Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've tried to read this. Uh, does reading the first five pages count? Okay, yes. Close enough. And so... I think that was that was a story like you just gave to me, and I was like, here, read this! And I'm like, alright, and I never read it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I just... It wasn't... I know a lot of people like it, but I could not get into it mm. because the system of magic or like thereof. Yeah. To me, it wasn't magic. They were literally mining for metals, eating it, and you would get a certain power. Mm. It was very steampunkish as well. And I don't know about you, but I, I have yet to be able to actually digest a steampunk story. To me, steampunk falls into the category of science fiction. I mean, yeah, I, I believe it is supposed to file, fall under science fiction. Yeah. And so, like, when I picked up this book, I expected fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. Got none of it. Got none of it. <laughs> and so I'm not trying to sit here and be like, oh, this is such a crappy book. But I cannot sit here and pretend that like it you did not fall short. truly adore it. Yeah, I cannot sit here and say that it did not fall short of my expectations. So... Well, thank you guys so much for joining for us today on this episode. Listening to this rant about science fiction and fantasy can you not it is a rant but hey it's a educational rant shut the fuck up and let me intro outro this (laughs) okay i am so sorry well thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the blank page podcast please feel free to subscribe and comment below and you can find us at the blank page on twitter and tumblr i think we're both the blank page on twitter and tumblr And you can find all the transcripts and books that we spoke about in the comments below. Thank you guys and see you next time. Ah!